I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. All right, y'all. So listen, this week in holding court, uh, coming off of Thanksgiving, Dustin, I, listen, so unconventional for a Thanksgiving holiday, but still mm-hmm. so grateful, right? Yeah, I still ate. <laughs> let's just go on there. Let's just go put that on the floor right now. It was a very small table, but it was still yeah. full and I'm thankful for that. Yes. Listen, amen. And I hope everybody had a healthy and hearty Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. And, and I ate as well. And speaking of gratitude, and the fact that our Thanksgivings looked a bit different this year because of course, of course, COVID, right? Yeah. Coronavirus impacts us and impacts all that we love and care about. And that includes many of us have folks, you know, that are behind bars these holiday seasons. Well, let's and keep that's it real. A, that's a reality. That's a reality. Um, and, and people in prison are even being more disproportionately impacted by COVID, as we know. And they're suffering from not just uh the, the institutional kind of dynamics of prison, but now you're com- it's hard to socially distance in prison. You know, so Impossible. they're dealing with that. On top of that, Dustin, I didn't even think about this till I started reading these articles. It's a lonelier holiday season for these yeah. prisoners because visitation, which so many of p- people behind bars, that's the thing they look forward to. That's the thing that gets them through. That's now being disrupted. That's That's scary when you think about it, because those visits are literally what keep a lot of people who are incarcerated. It keeps them sane. Yeah, mentally stable. Yeah. And so it's very sad. So California, starting uh, Thanksgiving weekend, only offering virtual visits for incarcerated people. So uh, this is making California one of many other states now that at least recognize your point, Dustin, that some level of contact with these people's family and friends is, is, is necessary uh, to, to keep it from being absolutely cruel and unusual punishment, an yeah. Eighth Amendment violation, by the way. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is trying to make an effort uh, to make it easier for prisoners, inmates rather, to stay connected with their friends and family with these virtual visits so that at least they have that to look forward to. Um, but it's sad, you know, it's sad. And then Louisiana, um, you know, which is where I went to law school, they were, you know, the South, you know, the South moving a little different um, in this COVID era. (laughs) South is still going South. So Louisiana decided to not allow those in-person visitations that so many were looking forward to. So many were. It's a great time to write a letter to your loved ones who are incarcerated, um, handwritten if possible to make it as personal as you can and just let them know that you feel for them and you love them and you're thinking of them at this time. Little things like that can literally save a person's life. But listen, here's the thing. Uh, we all made it through. Praise honor to God uh, to to make it to another episode of Hold the Court. Yes, we did. And this is going to be a really potent episode, Dustin, because we're doing something unusual. We've got three interviews mm-hmm. for this episode. So we're going to first up our, our next docket topic is going to be what uh, happened to Sister Laverne Cox. Mm-hmm. She was attacked uh, a few days ago and, and has spoken out about it. And so we've got the brilliant brother David Johns um, breaking down, yeah, exactly what any of us should do um, when we face that type of confrontation and why we need to be really attentive as a mm-hmm. culture, Dustin, to the death rate, the murder rate of our Black trans sisters because it's an epidemic, 
it's it's horrific and we need to show up wow and protect yeah. these women yeah. um so david johns is going to join us for that conversation then we're going into our big docket ticket item for this week which is phase on love aka mm-hmm. big worm big Pearl, that's right is suing universal pictures for literally taking this man and his black actress co-star um kaylee hawk off the couple's retreat poster entirely for international promotion now what kind of shit is that ebony now, I saw that movie, Dustin. Mm-hmm. I saw Same. Couples Retreat. And I saw Faison in that movie. Faison made the movie interesting for me. For me? Me too. You know, so, I was about to cut it off, actually. Right. I, it really wasn't doing it for me until mm-hmm. his one-liners and he mm-hmm. was really funny. So to take this man off the poster, no, sir. And Faison said, no, sir, as well. And and we talked to, we're going to talk to Faison about why he has decided, even though Couples Retreat came out in 2009, it's never too late to no. do the right thing. Nope. Okay. So we're going to talk to Faison about that. And we're also going to talk to a friend of mine who's um, an esteemed professor and political analyst and host, Dr. Jason Johnson, about kind of the academic aspect as to erasure mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. broader sense in the culture and why it's problematic um, for systems, but it's also problematic on a deeper level to us as Black people. So basically, we're having a party today. We couldn't have nobody over a party. Thanksgiving. So damn it, they come coming on the show this week. We're having we a party. Ha- we're having a virtual holding court party. All right. So next up on the docket, we want to get into, um, you know, I saw this on social media, Dustin, and it broke my heart. Uh, a tragic occurrence that happened to Sister Laverne Cox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just in recent days. So I sent you actually, I slid in your DM mm-hmm. to send you her live. You watched it. I sure she, did. Yeah. She went into details about how she and a friend mm-hmm. were minding their business, casually just strolling Griffith Park. And when I lived in LA, let me note, uh, it was Laverne's first time in Griffith Park. I live for Griffith Park. It's, um, you know, more understated than like Runyon and some yes. of the places you go to see and be seen, kill all yes. that. Laverne yes. was just about trying to get her, her steps in for the day, get her heart rate up. Enjoy Sis had a park. mask on. Yeah, she had a mask on. She had a hoodie up. She was incognito, her words, mm-hmm. not mine. Mm-hmm. And minding her business with her friend. Yes. When they were accosted by a terrorist, that's what I'm gonna call this person, mm-hmm. a domestic terrorist, aggressively asking, what time is it? And I'll tell you, <laughs> Let me tell, finish telling the story, and then I'll tell you what that put me in the mind of. Okay. <laughs> so the person said, you know, what time is it, aggressively? And the friend answered. Yes. And then the person said, girl or boy, clearly picking, clearly yeah. prodding, trying mm-hmm. to provoke. And the friend said, fuck off, rightfully so. Yeah. And then the terrorist physically attacked the friend, started yeah. punching the friend, Um, And then, you know, Laverne was terrified, of course. And the friend in this case, Dustin, really saved the day because this friend was acting in a a posture that was able to de-escalate the situation, basically fought back, fought back, back, you know, showed like it's it's not it's not that time over here. Mm -hmm. And then this person ran away like the coward that they were to begin with. Yes. Um, (laughs) I stopped in the middle of it because when when the person said, what time is it? It really put me in the mind of that scene in Malcolm X, where it was like, get your hand out of my pocket. Get your hand out of my yeah! pocket. Yeah! <laughs> I was like, the fuck? You know, like, what are What's these going subliminal, on? right? Uh-uh. Yeah. Some shit about to pop off. I don't like that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so anyways, um, Laverne being so shocked, so traumatized, so triggered, she went and did an IG Live. And I actually like this use of social media, Dustin. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good place to be able to go and 
and find comfort mm-hmm. in telling your story immediately, sharing your truth immediately, sitting Raw. in the shock. Yeah, the immediate real time, mm-hmm. the, the shock, the triggeredness as she, as she spoke about. And, you know, she said a couple of things I took note of. And then, of course, I want your reactions. She talked about the fact that she started victim blaming when it happened Mm -hmm. because she didn't know the right thing to do. And so in a Mm -hmm. minute, we're going to be joined by a fantastic guest. He's a friend of mine. He's a he's a a leader of the culture to to get some answers to that. But Laverne's thought process after she was attacked, her and her friend were attacked. Well, did I do something wrong? Should I have been mm-hmm. recording him? Should I have immediately called 911? And then she stopped herself and said, no, sis, I'm not going to victim blame because I didn't do anything wrong. Yep, in the first and that's place. that's so important. Yeah, so what, what did you make of Laverne's live and, and just where, you know, where she's at in this moment? Uh, first of all, a piece to Laverne Cox. Uh, no one deserves to go through or should go through an experience like that um, or anything similar. Um, I I sort of identify with her friend that she was with in the incident mm-hmm. who kind of remained in step with exactly what was going on. Um, me personally, you know, I um, I struggle with this because as you know, you, you when you know better, you do better. So the more mm-hmm. you know, the more tools you have, you then become accountable for using them. But in situations like this, I tend to uh, respond or react in kind. So I would. Are you saying you put hands? You, 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 yeah, you put feet, hands, hands, knees, okay. you know, an elbow okay. or two, a pipe, steel pipe, a piece of wood. Uh, a I'm hanger, not sure, you know, you so know, whatever. Yeah. I have an ink pen, hell. But I, I just, you know, for me, the fact that this person even introduced this energy to their mm. day in the first place, mm-hmm. the fact that they aggressively asked, you know, what time is it? That would have thrown me right there. The yep. whole aggressive asking of what time it is. I'm going to keep on walking. And yep. then if you continue speaking to me, then I'm going to speak back to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. In kind. So, uh, but I know better. I should, I, I, I applaud Laverne for even thinking to call 911 and seek some yep. sort of legitimate protection in that stance. And everyone is different. Everyone reacts and responds to situations like that differently. And I just, I really felt for her when she said that she felt some shame after mm-hmm. the attack take, took place. Um, that kind of touched my heart. So again, I just want to wish peace to, to Laverne Cox and shout out to her friend who was down to whoop a little ass because that's exactly what I would have done. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to go too many places so without fast. you, actually. Um, <laughs> Ebony, yeah, I mean, hey, now <laughs> we got to be safe. Don't do it to me. You know, you're mm-hmm. nice and tall, too. But it's a it's a it's an important <laughs> point, And I've heard this from several of my LGBTQ friends, that it is important that someone that calls themselves a friend or ally be willing to mm-hmm. put their body in front of yours, mm-hmm. in this case, literally, um, to protect you and keep you mm-hmm. safe. And then Laverne said this during her live. She said, it's not safe in the world. Yep. It's not safe in the world, especially if you are a trans woman um, and particularly one of, of color. So we're going to get into that. So with that, let, let, let me welcome to the show this, this incredible gift to the culture. He's executive director of National Black Justice Coalition, which by the way, Dustin, the nation's only civil rights and public policy organization that is fully and un- unapologetically about advocating for black LGBTQ plus people. Uh, da- uh, David Johns also was formerly uh, a lead in the White House initiative on education excellence for blacks under the Obama administration. Welcome to Holden Court, David Johns. I'm so happy to be here. Let me run some statistics by you. I know you know these well. Uh, it's being reported as we wrap up 2020 that this has been the deadliest year on record yeah. when it comes to trans women. It's Damn. the most recent count. 
from the Human Rights Council who's been tracking this since 2013, 39 so far dead. How many of color? How many, do we know how many of those are black? We, I know most of them are. The vast are. majority of them are of right. color. Um, and more than 90% of them are black. They are mm. black trans women, are femme identified folks. Um, our account is slightly different. Uh, we're, we're close, we have close to 40. And this year is especially pernicious because we also lost Monica Roberts who was a trans griot, and she was the first person, the first journalist uh, to assume the responsibility of reporting on the deaths of the murders. Let me be clear, they're mm-hmm. not dying, mm-hmm. they're being mm-hmm. murdered. They're being the killed, murders yeah. of uh, Black trans uh, people, mostly women. And that was significant because that number is low. Um, uh, trans murders, the murders, the deaths of trans women are often not reported. Indeed, and, and something that struck me too, David, when Laverne was recounting what happened, she was... <laughs> When I applauded her, she's not normalizing something that sadly has become routine for her. Mm-hmm. Laverne has not, this was not the first time she's been accosted this way. She said all of her life, she has dealt with this level of aggression and brutality and bullying and assault. And yet she is still each and every time triggered and shocked. And I think that's important because I think that the minute any of us allow ourselves to become numb or nor- normalize this behavior as if it's just expected because it's some bullshit, yeah. you know? So I want to yeah. salute Laverne and every person that continues to call out the trauma each and every time, because that's yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. 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 I, I, the, the line you quoted um, hit me, Ebony, when she said, it's not safe in the world if you're a yeah. trans person. Um, and the thread through both videos was the trauma. Um, so let's step back from this because there are still some people I imagine who are listening who don't understand why this is important. They might say, as I often hear, like, but black people generally and black cis hetero men is usually what they mean, die all the time. So why should mm. we care? Mm-hmm. There are a couple of responses that I have about that. One is that all black people deserve to have all of the privileges that we believe that Black people deserve, right? Like if we truly believe that Black lives matter, we have to accept and celebrate and support shifting policy and praxis so that all Black lives can matter. That's one. Two, Black trans folks, Black queer folks, folks, Black non-binary, Black intersex folks live in the trenches. They are on the front lines of advancing efforts and communities throughout this country and in other countries to ensure that we, Black people, can be free, can literally show up in, sa- in spaces and feel safe. It always and have been. Reality, and always, always have, have been. been. Living mm-hmm. in it, right? Even when we don't yeah. acknowledge it, we can have a yeah. whole nother. You and I have already talked about the erasure of Marshall B. Johnson. It's exactly. People think about and celebrate Stonewall and Pride and other things. But beyond that, like this has been a year where so many people, in particular Black people, have talked about the inherited trauma that's associated with us simply having skin that's been kissed by the sun. Like, we don't do shit but mind our business, try and pursue joy, and have to deal with state-sanctioned violence, the prison industrial complex, the healthcare industrial complex. Like all of the all things. Of these, all, all of the things. All of the systems mm-hmm. working against and so, us. And if so you, if you add on to that, the additional ways in which people feel so entitled to police gender, mm-hmm. to ask questions about people's personal, intimate lives that they are not entitled to, have no right to, and the ways in which people encroach upon the safe space of people who are Black and have intersectional identities, especially with regard to sexual identity and gender orientation or expression, it is beyond absurd. And it is too often the case that we don't have access to therapists. I celebrate again that Laverne was like, I'm going to text my therapist. She'll book a session. 
Yep. Most often, people who are victims of hate crimes in our community because they are black and or LGBTQIA plus, they don't have, don't those have access to that kind they don't of have those resources. And so again, I, I watched this video thinking about one, like I have, I have friends who experience this kind of trauma on the regular who have to enlist all kinds of safety precautions when they leave. So definitely want to get to your question about how that showed up in the video. Yep. But like, that's a that's a, a huge ass burden to bear. And mm-hmm. they, one, don't have the safety of often a male protector or someone to walk right. with them. That's something we mm-hmm. shouldn't take for granted. Although, right, we were talking about what that might look like in community. That's why black men, cis, hetero, queer, whatever, we have a responsibility to stand in the gap for our sisters. Mm. Another reference to, to brother uh, um, Malcolm, who you brought in earlier, right? Yep. Um, the second thing is that too many people don't have access to the safety of a home where they feel right. supported or safe, where they can be their, their selves, right? And so a lot of this was about what it feels like to be not safe in public. It's too often the case that Black folks who are queer, trans, and non-binary don't feel safe with other Black folks, right? I'm thinking about Ayanna mm-hmm. Dior, a Black woman who was beaten by a group of grown men after a minor car accident, yes. right? Like, and yeah. so all of this to say, so that's the that's the, the personal I- issue around safety. And then there's a psychological issue around safety. The last thing I'll say about this, and this is the thing that resonates with me the most, like I pray that Laverne continues to lean into all of the care and support she has because that trauma is real. What she <laughs> talked about is being triggered from being bullied when she was younger, from her mom not supporting her and her standing in the fullness of her identity and how this was an invitation right back to that trauma. And and we often don't have counselors who understand that. We don't have uh, faith communities who understand all of that. And so we, we, as a community of people who purport to care about Black people, we got to do better. We got to increase the language. We got to learn acronyms that we might not want to learn. And we got to be more compassionate such that we appreciate we don't need to normalize the violence. We didn't normalize love. Like she also talked about that we need to celebrate men who love black trans women and they Amen. should because they're beautiful and they do amazing things for themselves and others. And we have a whole lot of work to do, but we can do that together. Yeah. Two comments uh, around that, David, just so important. Number one, for any cis black women that feel away about black males attraction to our trans sisters, bitch, step up, step up. I'm very serious. Listen, I'm sorry. I have to say it plain. Second point, more substantive, (laughs) not so superficial, but also important. When Laverne acknowledged her privilege as a celebrity, right? Because she said that, and I I really applaud her because not always celebrities do that. She said, if I'm feeling this way, I'm exposed to this level of unsafety, um, you know, lack of safety rather when I'm public, whatever, and I'm Laverne Cox, whatever that means, is how she said it. What does it mean for the everyday non-privileged trans person? I want to talk, David, about what people need to do. What are the action steps when folks are accosted and approached in these aggressive postures on the street, this street bullying, this catcalling, whatever it is? What is the best course of action? Yeah, let me be clear. There is no wrong answer. Uh, whatever one is inclined to do in a moment in which they feel like they are threatened or in danger is an appropriate response. I want to honor that and I want to um, underscore and celebrate what you said, which is that Laverne's response was um, appropriate and perfect, um, mm-hmm. especially for her in that moment. Um, that having been said, there are a couple of things I wrote down thinking about this. One is to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, do the work required in order to center, to 
into yourself so you can be fully present in that moment to take in all things, right? Um, the second is to seek safety. And so I think that the what that looks like is different if you're alone or you're in company, um, if you're a man or you're a woman, if you have the privilege of height or the benefit of a weapon. Um, and so all of that, I think, would color, color your response. Um, but think about, one, trying to find ways to share your location, mm. um, to record the interaction, and to invite the support of other people. Um, again, this is all complicated by this asterisk that like this looks different for us, depending on the level of access to privilege we have or we don't have. Yeah. What it might mean for a black trans woman uh, who doesn't show up in the world with the same uh, phenotypic um, mm -hmm. uh, benefits of Laverne Cox uh, right. might not get the same response for a physical call from help. Um, but I also think about um, being thoughtful on the front end. Again, I want to acknowledge that no one should have to do this additional work. Women should mm -hmm. not have to do this additional work. And I resent that they have to. It's a part of my ministry as a black male feminist is to disrupt this. But mm -hmm. to share your location, if you're going out in public, find your community of guardian angels and share your location uh, in real time so they know where you are and can check in on you. Uh, using apps uh, and devices like Signal um, to send coded and encrypted messages to your crew um, to, again, ensure safety uh, might also be important. Um, and then whenever possible, report the incident. Uh, so I want to underscore again, uh, Black folks are not inclined to run to the cops, especially if they're Black, trans, queer, non-binary. Um, and so that is a thing. Um, and it is important for us to have the kind of data that allows us to highlight that this continues to happen. To a previous point you made at the risk of being persnickety, we're not asking for special anything. What I'm asking for is a recognition of the fact that this is happening to members of our community and it too often happens in silence, which is why I'm thankful to the two of you for creating space for us to have this conversation. But the disproportionate rate at which Black trans women are murdered, outstripping all other communities of women, is a discussion that too often is only had amongst Black trans people. And mm -hmm. also, what Here is that... What is that taking away from any other conversation that's being had about protecting black people? Absolutely nothing. It's a line Not a item on the list of concerns that we have as black people whose lives are in danger in America. That's a serious thing that needs to be addressed and talked about. And I just, for the life of me, I just get pissed off, if I can be clear, when I hear people say that, you know, well, what about this or what about that? What about ism shit? It's all it's so of this shit. Yeah. And yeah. the so fact so that you think it isn't is a problem. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Also, to that point, I know you were being funny, E, uh, mm -hmm. but when you talked about Steph with your game up, I do want to name that the, the the tension that exists between, and again, this is an observation that I'm making as the, mm -hmm. a cis man, mm -hmm. uh, the tension that I uh, uh, feel, have heard, experienced, and talk about between Black cis, hetero women, and mm -hmm. Black trans women um, is one that I think is exacerbated by this idea of competition. And I wish that we would move away from, to Dustin's point, like the what if, why we got to add on to that and like hold space to talk about the fact that we, one, don't deal with the trauma that Black women experience or the lack of support and love that y'all get from us at all, right? right? Regardless of how one identifies or shows up in the world. The mm -hmm. second thing is that like, we also have to celebrate the diversity and the beauty of black women, right? And so uh, I know a whole lot of black trans women that have no desire to show up in the world um, uh, being celebrated in the ways that some of our other sisters are celebrated. Um, and I wanna normalize love for them as well um, so we can stop mm -hmm. having conversations about their, their death or their trauma soon too. No, it's important. And I was being funny, but also you're, it's a deeper conversation, right? Because the reality is black cis women compete with one another. Right. Around these aesthetic things, because there is a deep, deep void 
of feeling wholly appreciated, loved, honored, and revered as Black women, period. I want to talk about the legislative effort uh, that, that could be done by the culture of the call to action. Right now, only, I believe, 23 states, in addition to D.C. and Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, actually have uh, active hate law, hate crime statutes yep. uh, that also, yeah, yep. that deal with and protect gender identity. Uh, obviously, we know that needs to be all 50. Uh, where can we apply the pressure politically? Yeah, there, there are three places to apply the pressure. One is in the new administration. Uh, the Biden-Harris administration needs support to pass the Equality Act. The Equality Act is a federal piece of legislation that would provide clear and consistent protections on the basis of sex, as well as sexual identity, gender orientation, or expression. Um, super important. Uh, it has Huge. passed the House of Representatives in the last three uh, legislative sessions. It had the unanimous support of the Congressional Black Caucus in the most recent congressional session. Um, oh, let me Trump guess. Let me guess. Old Moscow motherfucking Mitch hmm. is the holdup. Hmm. Let you me guess. It. You already oh, know. Okay. You already oh, okay. know. Okay. Know. So that's yep. the second area, which is we can all eyes are on Georgia. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. Georgia. copy so, that. Right. So ensuring people show up and vote in Georgia, uh, NBJC is a nonpartisan organization, but you can look at the records to see who it is that supports the culture and these issues. Um, and there in particular opportunities to support candidates who would support a uh, thing like the Ahmaud Arbery um, hate crimes legislation in Georgia, which would be anti-lynching legislation um, and other things that are uh, incredibly important. Um, and then the last thing is this, most black trans queer non-binary people, we live with other black people. We are disproportionately concentrated in the South, right? It's not the case that we, like white folks, move to neighborhoods like Hollywood, California, Boystown, Chicago, Chelsea. Chelsea New York. Mm -hmm. We are in the states where it is still legal to discriminate against us and mm -hmm. deny us access to public accommodations. So folks ensuring that we're voting in the next upcoming midterm elections and local elections for people who are responsible for school boards, for district attorneys, for the uh, sheriffs and police uh, chiefs, um, and for mayors, it's also incredibly important because we need to pass not only policies, but to ensure that there are practices in place to yes. ensure our safety in all areas. So those are three ways to apply pressure. This day that we are recording, which is World AIDS Day, what do we say to the culture? How do we show up for our people on World AIDS Day? We start talking to stop HIV. Uh, it's a hashtag, it's a campaign, um, and it is clear in offering direction. Um, since the introduction of the HIV epidemic in the late 80s, Black people have been disproportionately impacted. Um, back then, we died because we had a lack of access to treatment, uh, also a complicated relationship with the medical industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Now, it is most often the case that we are dying as a result of stigma. Yeah. Um, and the silence and mm. shame that shrouds the thoughts that people have, the nightmares that people still have about what HIV and AIDS means. Um, uh, in 2018, the last time that the data was collected, uh, Black people were around 13% of the total U.S. population, but we were almost half of all instances of HIV. Uh, mm. And some of that is because of the way that racism works. We live in communities and we engage in relationships, sexual and otherwise, with other Black people. Um, and so uh, things like crime and health disparities are concentrated. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it has to do with the fact that we just don't talk about living with HIV. Um, it is a sad reality that still um, too many people only know Magic Johnson right. um, as a person living with HIV. Um, and based on the data, we know that that's a mathematical impossibility. Um, and so we're literally imploring people to have conversations about their sexual wellness and 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 what pleasure means to them. And 
uh, how they and their partners are working to keep themselves safe and whatever that means to them. Mm-hmm. We're trying to empower people to know more about the medical and scientific advancements. You can now take PrEP or PEP. Thing I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that HIV is no longer the death sentence that it once was. Yes. And if we as a community can do the work to have more conversations, to normalize discussions about all of these things, um, to have better access to the medical interventions that exist and the support that's necessary in order to thrive with regard to sexual health and well-being, uh, then this won't be the thing that it has been in our community. Um, the last thing I'll say, because I don't want people to make the assumption that we're having this conversation because it's about some Black gay shit, um, Black gay people, uh, men who have sex with men is a term that the CDC uses. I don't use either of those terms because mm-hmm. gay is a white male political identifier. I'm a same gender loving man. Come on, um, David. I'm telling you, this man's so deep. We are, listen, we are, we are, we are disproportionately affected, right? We are disproportionately impacted. The number of black trans women who have been uh, tested and identified is around 44%. Angela, you Mm. have an op-ed that will publish soon about this. And black, cis, heterosexual people, right? So black people whose gender is consistent with what the doctor assigned to you at birth and you were heterosexual Mm. are still dying disproportionately. Black straight women. Yes, say that, say that. Disproportionate race because we don't have this conversations. And then too often people will say, oh, that's a gay thing. It's not. At all. It is a health thing. And again, it's a family thing. Time. It's a community thing. I feel like I've been talking about this shit since I was an undergrad back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's still the work that we have to do. Um, David Johns, brother, I'm so grateful to you and what you do for our people on a daily basis. You are the executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition and just a gem to our people. Thank you for Thank holding you so court much. with us. My Thank duty you. and my honor. Thank you all for making space and for doing the work. Thank you, David. All right, welcome back to Holding Court. Uh, you know, Dustin, we're going to keep this docket rolling and we're going to lean into um, a story that caught my eye when it first started making headwaves and really it started to pick up steam. And that is this lawsuit that Brother Faison Love, aka Big Worm, the one AKA and only Big Perm. Listen, mm-hmm. you better give mm-hmm. this brother his flowers. Um, and his these, hair rollers. Go ahead, and, Ebony. And his money. Give okay. It, uh, no, but of course, Faison's done so many cool things with his career, including um, this blockbuster number one movie, Couples Retreat. And yes. if you remember, Couples Retreat came out back in 2009. Well, Faison is currently in litigation. He filed a lawsuit against Universal Pictures. Here's why. In 2009, when the Couples Retreat film came out, which again, huge blockbuster, a lot of A-listers, including Faison, Faison and the actress that played his wife, Kaylee Hawk, they were on the poster, uh, but they were way in the back. The joke Faison tells is uh, he thought he was promoting another movie. (laughs) 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 But he was on there is the point, right? He was on there. Yes. But the international poster of the same damn movie can't find him nowhere. Can't find Kaylee either. No black folks. A black, a blacklist poster literal erasure literal erasure and 
We're actually going to talk to Faison himself in a minute. But, you know, in addition to the conversation with Faison himself, I wanted to speak to um, a brother who's who's ex- extremely brilliant and, and incredible in the space. And that's Dr. Jason Johnson. In addition to being my friend and former colleague back in the day, Jason is a tenured professor uh, at Morgan State uh, in, in global journalism and communications. He's also a, a contributor to MSNBC, um, a longtime political analyst and, and journalist. Welcome to Holding Court, Dr. Jason Johnson. Thank you so much. Last time I was in court, it was for a car accident. So this is a much nicer- Is this an upgrade? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's well, I, I, do I, it. I've been hit twice during COVID. This is the first time Damn. I've been in court where no. it's not painful. Okay. Um, good, good. So, well, we, we're so, glad to, to, to have you here. Uh, so a, a couple things. I think what we have to understand, first off, is is what is erasure, right? And I think erasure, right. like intersectionality, like woke, is one of those words that gets way the hell overused and people don't understand it. Okay, yep. so just at, tell at the people, level, tell us what is yeah, it? It's like erasure is. It's like it's. It is literally what we use erasers for when we're kids. It is taking something out that, under other circumstances and normal circumstances, should be there, mm-hmm. right? So it's not about inclusion or not inclusion. It's like no, this thing was there, right? And you took it out, right? right? So we didn't use the term erasure, but like the entire film industry. Every cowboy movie throughout the 30s and 40s, it was all erasure because some of the initial cowboys, most of the initial cowboys were runaway slaves, right? That's what we did. We left the South. We went out West. So the fact that you've never had any black cowboy movies is erasure, Mm. right? It's a great example. So- so erasure. and so intentional and so intentional. What's the yeah? Let's get to the intention, Jason. What they're erasing us from uh, the American story and the global yeah. story because that's and we're going to get to to this with Faison, but I want you to speak to it. There is this fucked up narrative, and I've heard it directly because a dear friend of mine works in a massive global company that will remain nameless, but <laughs> she works in global advertising, and they have told her specifically, blacks. Don't translate overseas. Ebony, you're exactly right. But here's here's the other thing about that myth, right? I remember reading back in the late 90s, there was this big like, like front page entertainment story in the late 90s in the Washington Post that talked about this issue, that talked about this idea of black movies don't sell overseas, black stuff. And I remember reading this because I was a kid and I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. Mm. But what it talked about is even as 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 far back as the late 90s, they're like, this is a myth perpetuated by racist gatekeepers in America. Boom. Because they were like, Will Smith and Wesley Snipe movies are selling like hotcakes overseas. Everybody was buying VHSs of Blade. They didn't care. <laughs> you, you think Independence Day didn't sell? Right. And, and at that point, Will Smith wasn't Will Smith, the global actor. He was some black guy from America. They yep. weren't watching The Fresh Prince in France. Nope. <laughs> so, so the idea that black people didn't sell overseas was just white racists in America who control these these sorts of systems saying, well, I don't like it. And then they always want to blame somebody else. So let's be clear, erasing black people and erasing black men, and in particular, erasing straight black men, is a key part of Hollywood and American popular culture going all the way back to cowboy. It's deep. It's deep and it's so obvious, actually. Let's look, at, let's look at Bachelor Nation, for example, right? Yeah. Right? We've now had two. Count them one, two black bachelorettes, which is still grossly 
whack should yeah. be way more um mm -hmm. but it took like it took george floyd being killed and the world having nothing else to do but watch to be candid yeah. to be candid to yep. force the motivation to finally have a black bachelor. And I cannot wait to see how these networks are going to deal with him interacting with white women. Yeah. 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 And, and, it's, and it's, it's all about, and, and here's the other thing about Faison, and I think this is important about, you know, there's some people say, well, this movie was 10 years ago. Why do you care? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you have to also recognize that the responsibility to talk about these issues, and, and that's the, the power of a show like this holding court. The responsibility lies with media people who can make these complaints because we can't put it on the actors. Because right. Faison Love endangers his career by complaining. By speaking up, yes. Yeah, we're going to talk to him about that. Exactly. You know, like, like now, now he looks problematic. Representation is everything. Representation is not important. In many ways, it's everything. Because it's the advertisers and the media-constructed images that in many ways dictate policy. That dictate yes. it's it should be the opposite, right? We would think, but no, 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 no. It is in many, many ways these images that suggest what is normal or reasonable or appropriate, in which then people make actual important life-changing decisions around everything that affects every system we engage in: criminal justice, healthcare, education, uh, housing. So it's deep, it's deep. And that's why we're spending the time on the show, Jason, to have this conversation. And, and I wanna say this, I wanna say this quick, Ebony, because mm -hmm. it, it doesn't just affect policy and criminal justice. It has erasure, has such a huge impact on us, on, on us. our people, on our ability to see ourselves. It makes a difference. And, and, and the, the challenge of this, because this is the challenge that black people always face in this country facing systematic oppression and systematic white supremacy is we keep having to make the same arguments over and over again. In the 1980s, it was MTV saying, we have a music channel, but we don't want to present black music. Right. And then Michael Jackson comes in and like, oh, I guess it'll sell. It always sold. In the 1990s, well, we got to take black people off the posters. It's not going to sell. Then Wesley Snipes and Will Smith, you know, oh, I guess this works, right? Now we're in the 2000s. Okay, well, we have these superhero movies and they're, they're doing well, but we don't know. And then Black Panther breaks global mm -hmm. records and you got people literally having candlelight vigils because <laughs> uh, because um, Chad Rebozo. Yeah. Every yes. single time we keep having to make the same argument over and over again, but those representation images are important. Because little black boys and little black girls who see these images in these situations that they heretofore did not think they could be in Absolutely. fundamentally changes what they think they can do in life. When you see a black lawyer, I, I don't know if this is the case with you, Ebony, because, you know, you are so much younger. Uh, but I will tell but you. Lot, get the hell out of here, Jason. Bye. But, Go ahead. But, what I'm saying, <laughs> I, but I know a lot of sisters. I know a lot of sisters who say, you know. Claire Huxtable. Well, Claire, but the reason that they got into journalism was Murphy Brown. Oh, interesting. That, that was like, I know a lot of people, they'll say like, Murphy, I wanted to be Murphy Brown, Murphy Brown. Think about now, it's a bit more of a saucy show, but think about how many young black girls today might be interested because they saw being Mary Jane. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so and I saw Oprah. I saw Oprah, you know, you, you know, and on this conversation, I just want to just take this time to put my name in the hat. When the television or movie story of Kamala Harris is told, <laughs> no, I'm available. You're ready. 
I'm ready. I took a couple drama classes in college. (laughs) And I would like to continue the power of representation in that way. Jason Johnson, uh, Dr. Jason Johnson, we love you. We appreciate you. I hope you will join us to hold court again. Oh, we're definitely, not, definitely. We're not going to cite you. We're not going to give you no fines. No subpoenas. No subpoenas. <laughs> All right, brother. We love you. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back from break, we've definitely got a lot more holding court, so stay with us. Okay, welcome back to Holding Court. Now, we're going to move forward with some more things on this docket. Dustin Ross, on the docket, I want to lean heavily into this next story because I saw it come through my my social media timeline a few times, but then Wendy Williams picked it up and talked about it on Hot Topics. I said, oh, this this, this is about to be a thing, and it Mm -hmm. needs to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Brother Faison Love, again, a.k.a. Big Worm, a.k.a. Big Perm, give him all his flowers. Um, but in addition to that, major blockbuster films, including Couples Retreat, okay? Mm-hmm. Faison was, along with many other stars uh, and, a, and a sister um, by the name of Callie Hawk, who played his wife uh, in the movie, starred in Couples Retreat back in 2009. I don't know about Same you, I actually watched the movie. I bought a ticket, damn it. Oh, you went in the theater. So I, went in set. I went in I went in set. Good old days. Yeah, okay. the old days. You know, my ass was uh, on HBO watching it. But don't worry mm-hmm. about it. I watched it, damn you it. saw it. And I saw this black couple. So, mm-hmm. the fuck? And so, it was literal erasure that, that Universal made a decision to take these black people off this poster because they were doubling down on a bullshit narrative that has been proven false time and time again, Dustin Ross, that, quote, Black people don't sail overseas. Yeah, took them off by photo and by name. It's it's bullshit. So we're going to get into all of this nitty gritty um, with the man himself, Brother Faison Love. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm so excited to have you join us here on Holding Court, Faison. No, thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be around so many smart individuals that you guys are ahead of ahead of the curve, believe it or not, because uh, mm. some people don't in Hollywood don't get it like, huh? Oh, no, I get it. And I told you mm-hmm. um, when I jumped in, in, in into the space that you were on on the platform, I'm going to tell this story in a minute because the young people need to learn a thing or two about this old auntie style hustle I got. It's strong. OK, strong. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you said it spoke to the uh, the the arrogance and the ignorance of the white male gatekeepers in Hollywood. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But for those wondering, how, how did I get Brother Faison Love on holding court? I'm very proud of myself. So this mm-hmm. is what happened. My producing partner and uh, consultant to the show, Dossie, uh, sent me an email. He said, well, E, Faison's going to be on Clubhouse tonight with James uh, talking about the lawsuit. I have been avoiding Clubhouse like the plague, like coronavirus. Like I, I must have gotten eight or nine invites to Clubhouse. I'm like, delete, decline, hey. not, not doing it. Mm-mm. So Faison starts talking about the lawsuit. And I'm going to let him tell his story in a second. But my press staff, I don't even think the brother was finished talking. I'm putting my hand up. I'm putting my hand up. Yo, call on me, call on me. And, and James does oblige. And I just say, I said, shameless, I'm doing a podcast. It's about you and your lawsuit. Will you join? And this brother graciously said yes. And the lesson here, real lesson, serious point. Ask and you might shall receive. You just might. You, you just, just might. might. Mm-hmm. Follow, follow the leads. Yeah. Yeah. 
And don't be so proud. Don't be so proud. You know, you got to really step into the gap and step into really what you're trying to do. So with that said, Faison, you're here. Tell us from, um, and you can capsulize it because most people know some of the nuggets. I've talked about when the movie came out in 2009, you were on the domestic poster, although way in the fucking back, but you were there. It goes overseas. You're literally not on the poster anywhere. What made you decide to file suit at this point? Well, um, I was at a movie theater watching the trailer for uh, Star Wars, and I was so happy that John Boyega was in the movie because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars and George Lucas. And um, then I found out they took him off the poster sure did. for overseas. And I was like, what the fuck? And I, I remember calling my ex-wife because she was the first one. She was like, uh, she says, you know, that's a direct response to you not standing up mm. when you should have stood up uh, for a couple's retreat. And I was like, yeah, damn, it kind of hit me in the gut. Mm-hmm. Went online and uh, checked different markets and they're still promoting the movie like that. Mm. And I specifically heard them say, we're, we're going to stop and no, no, this is... They 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 passed it off like it was first it was somebody else's fault then it was a mistake and I was like oh hell no ain't no mistakes mm-hmm. in Hollywood no that's definitely um, not a mistake I and not Josh. not a mistake you're still making eleven years later that put a battery in my back mm. and I called um, Dennis I was like Dennis I gotta do something about this now because this is this is a, is Dennis your lawyer who's Dennis yes Dennis okay. Ellis is my lawyer and um. He said, well, let's see. And he he, he checked. Mm-hmm. He actually put a, a bounty out there. Like, who? Who did you know, this? Who, who can, if you can find this poster and so many people sent the poster in, they were like, they're still doing this. Mm. Right. Which is smart. I want to I pause. This is important legally. Because what your attorney did was he made sure before he goes about the business of filing suit and bringing these claims of discrimination and all the things, we'll get to what the actual suit says, that that the claim would still be ripe. Ripe is a legal term that means it's still applicable. Because if indeed they had cured the wrongdoing, right? right? Right. And now it's you and Kaylee and everybody. Now it's it's a little harder to make the case. But he did a very important legal thing, Faison, right? And this is for all listening to get this that he ensured pre-litigation that the wrongdoing was still active. Yeah. Still active. Yes. Important. Continue. So that that was him saying, fuck you, mm. we run this. Mm-hmm. I thought that the white man's, the white, the white arrogance in arrogance. Hollywood. Yeah. So it's like, oh, fuck you, we do what we want to do and you just follow suit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like- What you gonna do about it? What you gonna do? Right. And, and, and what you're gonna do about it is what you've done. And it's important. So currently you have uh, a litigation claim in the state of California. You're claiming violations of Fair Employment Act, fraud, breach of contract, false advertising. And this one's key. Violation of the Civil Rights Act of California, which mirrors the federal one. Right. And so that specifically prohibits any business of discriminating on the basis of sex, race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, disability, medical condition, genetic info, marital status, or sexual orientation. So it's a carte blanche bar 
on this type of discrimination. Mm-hmm. And and phase on it's important, brother, what you're doing. And and to echo the sentiments of your ex-wife, you are now making precedent. Here's another legal term, precedent to what people that find themselves in your position need to do. Call that shit out in the yep. court of law. It's yes. important. Yes. Because essentially it's not for me only. Mm. I'm not going to be uh, only one benefit from this. It's mm. for the, the new John Boyegas, the new actors, mm. um, the past actors. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, when they did movies like uh, uh, Shirley Temple, they didn't put Bojangles on that poster. They didn't. They didn't yeah. promote him. He yeah. was in there dancing his ass off. Build on that legacy, Faison. That's what you're doing. You're building on that legacy, and you mentioned something important, and I call it the cost of disruption. And I'm all Ooh, too familiar I, you know, with I stole it. That from, I know I stole you that did, from, but you know what? I like you, Faison. So you can have it. That one for free. Um, <laughs> the cost of disruption is real, though, right? And this is the yeah. cost that everybody that dares to stand up to injustice or bullshit <laughs> of any kind has to pay. And this yep. could apply to any field. You happen to be an actor, too. I'm sure many people in your world, Faison, and tell us if it happened when you were thinking about filing this loss. Oh, don't do that, bro. Oh, don't do that, bro. They're not going to want to fool with you no more. I don't know if you're uh, going to get no auditions no more. All that bullshit. Was, it, was there any peanut gallery with that kind of shit? Are you kidding me? Exactly. <laughs> are you kidding exactly. me? And they never stopped the ones to think. They say, hey, they don't want to work with you. They're not going to want to work with you no more. It's like, they never stopped the wonders. Like, do you think I want to work with some racist mm. motherfuckers? That part. Yeah. Do you think I want to make them some money? Right. Right. It's like if you're it's like, infected. It, it, Come on now. You know, exactly. It's not just you that this happened to. It's not just John Boyega. Um, this is also happening right now, still globally, with Denzel's son, uh, John David Washington. He mm-hmm. uh, is starring in the movie Tenet, a big blockbuster, action blockbuster globally. Can't find him on the international poster. America mm-hmm. wants to start this whole new Black Lives Matter. and we're Oh, now we're, we're waking up. Oh, we didn't know we did this. You think there was wrongs? And just everyday work there's mm. in Hollywood. I'm not even going to go with the pay. I'm not even going to start with the pay. Mm-hmm. You think I was paid the same as these other actors? Right. Absolutely so, not. not. Exactly. So it has to all be burnt down and, and built up if we're going to continue. But we're mm. not going to hold hands and and, and, and and sing songs with candles and, and act like it, it's something new. Oh, it's it's a new world, and you know, uh, especially when Obama got in there, it's like, uh, okay, you got you got what you wanted. Your black president, like, oh, that, 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 oh whoa, we just beginning. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just beginning. That, that, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. We need people of color mm-hmm. with green light power at the studio. That's it, gatekeepers, gatekeepers. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And that's and, and because we are the ones that know our um, culture, and we have so many stories to, to tell. Um, not all just pimps, and uh, you know we actually, you know, like like I said, the Star Wars story was so dear to me because you've only seen Billy D. Williams. There's, there's all George Lucas always put somebody black in space. Mm-hmm. George Lucas is an ally, trust me. I remember um, listening to him talk 
at the DGA and he was putting together the movie of Red Tails and hmm. no studio wanted to do it. Hmm. No studio wanted to do it. So you mean to they tell me, Faison, no studio wanted to tell the story of the Tuskegee Airmen. Ain't that a damn shame? No. Hmm. So he said, forget it. I'm going to I'm gonna make the movie myself and put it out like Tyler Perry did. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This right. is coming from George Lucas. George Lucas. Right. Who's been fighting the system since day one. Yeah. And um and it, and it we do have our and it's allies. I want to say I will leave you with this, Faison. Uh no, we are supporting you. We are continuing to follow this. Faison Love Brother, we're proud of you. We appreciate your leadership, your willingness to pay this price of disruption, and watch how God bless you on the back end of this. Yes, As, he will. You've already been blessed. But yes. The price of disruption is so beautiful. No, thank you. Absolutely. So. Keep this conversation going. Absolutely. Which oh, no, Listen, thank you guys so much for listening. Please, please follow us, subscribe, give us a review. We love feedback. Tell a friend, tell all your friends, matter of fact. Help get the word out about Folding Court. And listen, don't forget to check out our episode notes where we're going to have more information about all the things that we got into for today's episode. Folding Court comes to you from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media and presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Audio engineering services are provided by One of One Productions. And listen, we want to give them a special shout out today because this is A, a Black-owned business. And That's right. Shout out to that every day, right? And they are offering their assistance specifically by giving us this remote recording kit. It is letting Dustin and I come to you so crystal clear. And this is so important in the era of COVID that we are not compromising our content because we so respect our audience. So shout out again to One of One Productions. Check them out, oneofoneproductions.com. Listen, y'all, join us again next week where, again, of course, we hold court. In the meantime, stay safe, keep your mask on, stand up for your rights, pay those prices of disruption, and always read the what, Dustin? Those terms terms and those conditions. That's right.